Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Island Spot Sports. And before we get to our guest today, we have a big shout out for Living Sisu. Living Sisu is a platform and app that wants to give you all the tools to have success in your sport. Their main objective is to activate your lifestyle. So for active, it's for active people. Enjoy discounts at, at companies like BioSteel, 30% off, BodyLogics, the Goalie Guild, all his books are discounted. Roan, Lululemon for men, 20% off. Online stretching programs with Eccentrics, one full month free. They got super silent massage guns, 20% off those. And it's a great quality. It's way less expensive than a Theragun. And it's a great, it's great quality. So there's so many more discounts that you guys will need to just become a member to see. So they want to provide you with anything you need for success. So come join the community. I'm a part of it. A bunch of other athletes are a part of it. So it's free to join. It takes 20 seconds to have to get exclusive offers to your sport. And it's definitely worth worth it. So do do us a huge favor and go sign up for Living Sisu's membership. It's free, 20, takes 20 seconds. So go do it and we'll see you there. Living Sisu is a great company. We uh, we know one of the co-founders, Zach Fricali. He's a great guy. He uh, He's the co-founder and he does a lot of live streams on Instagram at, uh, at Living Sisu. And with a bunch of elite athletes and you learn a lot from like the athletes determination the resiliency everything to what me made them become successful so it's been a great experience so far so go on i'm gonna leave uh, the link in the description so uh, go sign up yo welcome back to another episode of on the spot sports i'm jack and in today's episode we are joined by a very special guest current Chicago Wolves play-by-play announcer, Jason Shaver. Jason is our first broadcaster on the show, so this is very exciting. Jason has been with the Chicago Wolves for 13 seasons now. He was also the broadcaster for the Iowa Stars in 2005 to 2007, as well as as well as well a stint with the Houston Arrows in 2007-2008. So really excited to have you on, Jason. So welcome to the show, Jason Shaver. Jack, thanks a lot for having me on the show. Good to speak some AHL hockey with you this year. It's been uh... A long wait to see these guys back on the ice in Chicago. Unfortunately, fans can't be there, but uh, Billy Gardner and I, myself feel really fortunate that at least we get to see them live right now, and I know the rest of you are probably really missing uh, seeing seeing this great franchise. Yeah, for sure, and just just it's so weird just watching them in hockey when, or watch them on TV when I'm usually at the All-State seeing the team live every game, so it's definitely weird, but it's fun regardless and just be at least we're seeing hockey right now. So that's all, that's all that I can be, that I can say right now. It's just, I'm glad to be watching some hockey. Yeah, no, I mean, it really went down to, you know, almost new year's Eve timeframe when the wolves finally realized that they were going to actually play this year and be able to play out of the Tripen center in Hoffman Estates. So it's a, it's a great luxury. I mean, it was tough talking to general manager Wendell Young at times because he started to, to lose hope that the AHL would be able to play. And if they did play just with the local health guidelines and uh, facilities and the amount of testing that needs to go, that maybe the Wolves would have to opt out. So very fortunate uh, that this team is playing. And, and I know it's not ideal probably not being able to go to Allstate Arena and see him, but hopefully the AHL TV feed suffices and uh, gives you a little taste of what the Wolves look like this year. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's just, it's awesome seeing the youngsters come in to play, especially the four first rounders that 
the Wolves have right now and just see how they're producing right away. Like Jamison Reese, like he, you said, he was a second rounder and like he's lighting up the league right now, scoring three goals in the th- in three games. So it's well, it's good to see that. Yeah, and you know, Jack, as a young hockey player yourself, I mean, the amount of skill that these 19-year-olds come into the American Hockey League, it's just so impressive watching. We're three games in, Seth Jarvis, who was just drafted by Carolina in October. He scored in all three games so far. I mean, it's not supposed to be this this easy that Phil Tomasino, a a first-rounder by Nashville, has looked excellent with five points so far. You've got Dominic Bach, who's the oldest of the first rounders at 21 years old, who's got plenty of experience playing over in Germany. And then uh, Ryan Suzuki has looked good. And and as you mentioned, Jamison Reese, who's also 19 years old and was an early second round pick. So, I mean, these five guys right there alone are, are just incredible. Then you throw in Tommy Novak and Rem Pitlick, who were with Milwaukee last year, they were both in top 10 in rookie scoring, and, and they have been dangerous. I mean, Pitlick scored three goals in the last two games on, on breakaways. So it's kind of fun to see some of these Admirals players wearing Wolves sweaters and contributing. Yeah, for sure. And it's just never would have thought seeing Milwaukee guys on wearing a Wolves sweater. But it's, it's definitely nice, especially with the team they had last year where they dominated the whole entire oh. league and – it's good to get some of those players on the team and just combine with Carolina as well and have those two great organizations come together and create a really strong Chicago Wolves team. Yeah, I don't know what's uh, what's tougher, those Milwaukee Admiral players having to put the Wolves jersey on this year or Wolves fans having to uh, cheer for Milwaukee Admirals uh, wearing a Chicago sweater. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm fine with it because we're yeah. uh, we oh, starting yeah. out the season hot, so it's, it's all that we can ask for right now. Yeah, for sure. They look great, and you know, there's so many good players that have yet to even get in the lineup yet. Both Nashville and Carolina, kind of part of this agreement, will we'll each draft six forwards. So far, Ryan Worsowski, the head coach, has had those lines kind of split up, so it's not an all-Milwaukee line or an all-Chicago Wolves line. Uh, all those players, that the 12 forwards dressed, have kind of been intermixed between Predators in Hurricanes prospects, so that's made things interesting too. Yeah, and it's it's definitely working out in the in Ryan Warsawski's favor, and just just the team as well is just clicking right now. Yeah, they 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 look excellent. Uh, I know I was got a pretty young team, and the only other team that we haven't seen yet is Cleveland, and, and right now Columbus is dealing with a whole bunch of trades and injuries, and they've had some COVID issues themselves, so. I, I got to think that the, the Wolves are probably the best team in the division, uh, having not seen the other two yet. But uh, they've looked very impressive against Grand Rapids and against uh, Rockford so far. Yeah, for sure. So, like, how how is the season for it like for you and just you and Billy and just like you guys aren't able to go to practices, so you're just seeing them in the games. So how yeah. how different is it from this year compared to years past? Well, it's really different. Uh, you know, anytime you change affiliations which the Wolves did they have a new NHL partner with the Carolina Hurricanes so there's always a lot of work to do because there's going to be so many new faces it helps a little bit that you do have you know half the team at least on the ice has been Milwaukee players that you're at least accustomed to seeing but you know normally the first two weeks of training camp and the first week of practice Billy and I are there every day and you you know slowly but surely kind of learn what these guys look like maybe even how they tape their sticks or their skates if they're left or right-handed it helps you 
pick up who they are without necessarily seeing their, their number. But this year, we did not see any practices uh, due to the pro, uh, COVID protocols. Hopefully, moving forward, there'll be one day a week that we can watch practice and, and see the guys. But yeah, the, the first two games that we saw, Billy and I were seeing the players literally for the very first time, and uh, they're wearing different numbers. Rockford, uh, who we saw in the preseason, they have uh, basically all their prospects are wearing the jersey numbers that they have with the Blackhawks. So they've got these football-looking numbers, 61, 63. Uh, it was welcome to see Grand Rapids the one game because they had 17 returning players. But it's, you know, I guess it's called first-world problems. It's been a real challenge for Billy and I because we just uh, don't have as much uh, eyeballs on these players that we normally do to identify them right away during a game broadcast. But uh, We've managed, and it will get better as the season goes on. <laughs> that, hey, that's all that really—that's all that matters. Just yeah, progress each each and every game, and just get comfortable with the different numbers that are everywhere, and like all the different guys on the team. So, like, how what what's it like uh, just being on the edge of your seat? Because like they had the since like games could change like any time. Like they added Rockford uh, a couple days ago. They played yesterday. They added a game against Rockford again, like in like a week or so. They're playing Grand Rapids tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like, what what is that all like? And just being able, being on the edge of your seat at all times. Yeah, no. The last two weeks, there's been a, a lot of long nights, uh, continuing to work just to update your notes and stuff like that. And again, I think we were talking before we started recording this in December. It did not look like the Wolves were going to be able to to play. So, kind of everything got put on hold as far as my research was concerned and then all of a sudden we are playing so it's been scramble mode and I'm glad that we're playing and I have to scramble but I've been playing playing catch up and then just because there's been so many outbreaks already in the National Basketball Association and then of course the National Hockey League has had COVID outbreaks with Rockford being so close and the Wolves right now so healthy the two teams added three games just to try and get ahead of the curve in case there is an outbreak later in the year that they had these games played. But I was not expecting to actually call a Rockford game until, you know, end of March. So I hadn't done too much work on, on, on the Rockford players. So I've been scrambling. But, uh, I, again, I feel so fortunate, and I know Billy does too, that we're able to, to see these games. So if it means a couple late nights to, to bone up on your research, I, I'll gladly take it. But it's, it's even weird that we can't even talk to players, go down and – I don't think we'll be able to do that at all this year to even have a conversation with them or just because there's so much going on, one of the works of trying to set up some Zoom calls and and phone interviews with these guys just to get to know them a little bit. But one of the great things about the American Hockey League and the Wolves uh, in general is the Wolves treat this like a a family. So Billy and I have access to walk in the locker room and talk to guys, get their backstory, you know, even a few guys, you know, the correct pronunciation of their name, you know, Jamison Reese, I've been calling him Reese, and then I think it might be Reese, but I haven't been able to sit down and, hey, wh- how do you want to be called this year, which is a, a change of play uh, pace. But uh, we're working through those challenges the best we can. Yeah, so the Wolves of Rockford played yesterday. Like, mm-hmm. Rockford had a ton of returners, especially uh, Scott Darling, their goaltenders, playing yeah. in the NHL. So, like, how, how cool is it to see Darling back playing in the AHL and getting trying to get a shot back in the NHL? Yeah, I would say he played the preseason game. He played half the game against the Wolves, and I think that was his first time, you know, back in North America. Last year he spent all last year playing in Innsbruck, Austria, and he looked really good. Uh, I would have to kind of re-watch the game to, 
to judge how he played yesterday a little bit better, but and he gave up five goals, so I was kind of surprised to see that. But Rockford has a really young team, and they have a lot of guys that are on AHL uh, contracts too. So I, I, they, you know, Scott does not have the the team that the Wolves had in front of them. They, Rockford had so much more power play time yesterday that the, the shots on goal maybe a little bit closer, but the Wolves really dominated five on five when the teams were playing. So I don't think that's an indication of Scott Darling, but uh, uh, you know, he looked really good in the preseason game, but anytime a, a net miner of his ca- caliber gives up five goals, he's probably not happy. Yeah, for sure. It's just as a goaltender, anytime you give up those goals, like you're, you're not happy no matter what. So it's a lose, lose situation right there. Just not, not, not very good right there. But Scott Darling's a, a fantastic goaltender, and it's definitely gonna be fun to see him playing a lot more against the Wolves in this in this season. Yeah, I mean, now we're playing Rockford. If everything goes according to plan, eleven times originally it was only supposed to be eight. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure in you know the Blackhawks. Walken has really played well lately there, but I, I think uh, you know a couple of weeks ago maybe Darling uh, was. Uh, was a guy that could potentially end up back with the Blackhawks again down the road, which would, uh, I think, be exciting for, for fans in the city too. Yeah, so talking about goaltenders really quick, uh, the National Predators uh, had Casimir Cascasuo, who played with the Wolves in, a few years ago. It's like, what he was, he was during, he was with the Wolves during training camps. Like, what, like, I was really looking forward to seeing Kaz play again back in Chicago, but I'm glad he's getting the taxi squad time in Nashville. It's like, must have been really cool to find out that Kaz is co- potentially coming back to uh, Chicago, and because uh, he was spent, he was fantastic the time he played here. Yeah, and the, the weird thing is, that he would have been the only player this year that had played for the Wolves in the past. So far, twenty-five players have have, have played this year, and they've all made their debut. You got to go all the way back twenty-seven years to the inaugural season. That's the only time it's happened in Wolves player history that that they had fielded a brand new team and that was the inaugural year. They always have had one returning player. So for now, Casimir Casasuo is going to be in the NHL. I don't know that he'll ever make it back to Chicago because Connor Ingram had to take a, a leave of absence from the team. And I don't know how long that leave is actually going to be. So right now the NHL requires NHL teams to carry three goaltenders and Casimir Casasuo is the third goaltender. So we might not end up ever seeing him. And the same thing goes now for Carolina, since you asked about the goaltending, Anton, uh, Antoine Bebo, who got the opening start for the Wolves, a, a win. He's back with Carolina. Peter Morasic uh, suffered a broken thumb and had surgery. So, I mean, he's going to be out a few weeks for sure. So right now the Wolves actually only have two goaltenders. And uh, Jeremy Helvig has started the last two. Uh, looked really good yesterday. And then uh, Beck Warren, who was a free agent signing by the Wolves out of the Western Hockey League, I'm sure at some point we'll see him. I don't. Uh, he has some pretty good numbers in in the WHL, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can make the the jump to the professional level. But I, you know, going back to your point, when you thought you're going to have Antoine Bebo and Kazner Kaskasua to start the year, Golden and him, that looked to be a strength of the team. Yeah, and everyone was saying stuff about Alex Nedeljkovic too, who was originally the taxi squad member of the Hurricanes, and just having. Bebo, Bebo, uh, yeah. Kaz, and Nadelkovich. That would have been that would have been yeah. a tandem to to mess with. Yeah, no, we saw Nadelkovich there, and 
2019 when Charlotte knocked off the Wolves in the Calder Cup, he was he was excellent. And I believe he got uh, the start the other day for Carolina, so he's even been moved off the, the taxi squad uh, with the injury to Morazic and, and getting some playing time in, in Carolina. He's you know he's one of those goaltenders that doesn't have anything left to accomplish in the American Hockey League. Now it's you know an opportunity to prove it that you belong to be in the NHL. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like that. That 2019 run. Let, let's talk about that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And just that to that 2019 Cup run was phenomenal. Like the team was was so like well put together, and like there was a few rough stretches, but other than that, like they came together really fast. Like, what was it like from your point point to just seeing these guys every day and just actually like seeing them go all the way to the College Cup Finals? I mean, it was it was so fun. It was such, which is often the case, such a close team. They got along so, so well, not only on the ice, but off the ice, a team that was, you know, always together. You know, we travel on the road with them. Don't often hang out with them on the road, obviously, but you, you see them together, you know, walking around and, and doing things together as a team. So, so very close. Uh, my first year with the Wolves was actually the, the first season after the fourth championship in 2007-2008 when they won the Calder Cup and this was the first really great run uh, in the postseason during my time here so it it was so much fun and just seeing how well the team played and then they win game one in Charlotte the Calder Cup finals and you're like wow they really have a great chance and Charlotte uh, you know credit to them they managed to win the next four the Wolves were in every one of those games they just uh you know, couldn't seem to, to get the bounce that you need. Uh, but, yeah, that was a ton of fun. And by far the, the best team, at, you know, the last three completed AHL seasons that the Wolves have played. They've had great teams. They've won the division. But sometimes, you know, the Wolves' schedule has been a pretty dizzy the last couple of years down the stretch. And, you know, the two prior years, like, so 2018 and 2017, going into the playoffs, the Wolves had a lot of injuries. I mean, you go back to that Craig Berube coach team the last year with the partnership with the St. Louis Blues, like when you had Wade Negan out and Kenny Agostino out, I mean, those are just huge losses uh, at an important time of year. But I really like the last three full seasons the Wolves have played going into the playoffs. They've had the the best team that they could possibly, you know, based on the regular season, put on the ice. Unfortunately, some of those years, the injuries just caught up to them and they couldn't have the long, uh, sustained playoff runs that the fans here in Chicago are used to. Yeah, it's just, it, that that year was special, especially like like you said with the injuries coming into play. Like, like yeah, Brooks, I mean, Brooks Masick, yeah, Daniel Carr, Brooks Masick, they're all out till the second round, and then like you, a lot of people didn't think they'd make it past uh, Grand Rapids that first, yeah, that first series, and then like they they put something together after that third game where they got they got like in a bunch of scrums and fights and that, that heated rivalry came into play and then they go on to win the next two and then roll past Iowa, go to San Diego and then finally find themselves against Charlotte in the Calder Cup finals. Yeah, Jack. I mean, it, it's so true. And you know, that's what's lost in it. The, the Wolves actually, that playoff run got, got healthier as the, the season and the series went on, which never happens in the playoffs, but you know, th- this, that time they were finally able to, overcome those hurdles and you just go back to the way Oscar Dance played facing elimination when the Wolves were literally down to their last healthy body against Grand Rapids in game four on the road and they easily you know could have fooled up the temps 
but uh, Oscar Dan's had a great game. They got a couple key goals, and the rest is history. They, they, they went on that unbelievable run, and I think that does make that season so special. Yeah, I definitely think the turning point of that series was the game three when literally they had maybe nine guys on the bench at the end of the game. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, all, all the fights that are breaking out, like, in the third yeah. period, that period, that game, and it's just crazy what that can do to bring a team together and then have them continue that stretch all the way through. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it was that was a that was something. That was the throwback hockey from from probably the, the days before uh, you were even really watching hockey, yeah. <laughs> the eighties and nineties. <laughs> yeah, and then we we also saw some history with uh, Max Lagasse getting a goalie goal, mm-hmm. quote unquote, yeah. in uh, in San Diego. So that was that was nice seeing uh, one of the goals players shoot the puck in the empty net with after it went off Lagasse and. Yeah, they got credited with that. That was that was pretty cool too. Yeah, well, it kind of restored order. I think it was a one goal game at that point, and San Diego was really starting to to pour it on. So it kind of took the momentum away. It was great to see Max. You know, Oscar got on a run and was playing a lot of those games, but so often is the case with the travel and just trying to keep costs down. You know, in the playoffs, you play the back to back games, and Rocky Thompson made the decision that you know back to back long playoff run. Oscar's going to play that that game, and then the next day, Max is going to come in, and he was great, and then ends up getting a goal too. So uh, it was great to see him contribute and and have uh, a share in the, the team's success. Yeah, and I think that just proves like what we saw this year with in the NHL bubble for the playoffs. Like you need two goaltenders to be to step up and be successful during during those stretches and. Both Dansk and Legasse both did that last year, or 2019, which helped them on the run. And then, like, you just need a completed team and just guys that are going for doing it for each other and just wanting to win to, to for their for their play for their buddies, for their friends, for their teammates, line mates, everything. Yeah, and, and Oscar and and, and Max, a credit to them, which isn't always the case, and it doesn't have to be the case either, but. They had a real good friendship off the ice. I mean, those two were always together, having breakfast, uh, uh, very supportive of each other. And again, that it doesn't mean that that's what it takes to be successful. I mean, hockey is a competitive uh, game, and goaltending is a very competitive position. But I think it was uh, it was fun to just see the genuine excitement for each netminder when the other was in in goal, and they, you know, it was a real good bond, and it, it, it made the that team even closer when when everyone gets along so well yeah 100 percent. so like throughout the 13 years that you've been with the wolves so far what have been some of your your favorite memories that you've had from starting out with the wolves till till now well i mean the the first season that you know we started on the road actually in houston where i was the year before and then san antonio coming home for the the Wolves home opener and seeing the banner raising was something really exciting. And you just, you, I had been in the American hockey league at that time for three years and you had such a tremendous respect for the Chicago Wolves, just the way they, they do things. And then to kind of peel back the, the curtain and get the opportunity to, to work for them was, was uh, very exciting. You know, we were doing 80 games on television, which was, was new to me and getting to work with Billy Gardner, having a full-time analyst, you know, our great program production crew. So, you know, the TV side is a lot different than radio where it's just, you know, one or two people. And, you know, in the TV broadcast, you've got producers and directors and, 
graphics producers, audio people, like so many people that you travel with that, that you've got to, you almost have your own little team of, of guys that, and gals that you enjoy working with and traveling with. So that was a ton of fun. Uh, the, the first uh, real nice team that the Wolves had during my time was the 2009-10 season. That was the one where he still had Tim Stapleton, Brett Sterling, uh, Chris Chelios on the back end. They had a great team. They ended up losing in the uh, division finals to the Texas Stars in, the, in a couple overtimes. They, I remember Dallas sent a rookie, Jamie Benn, down for the playoffs. He hadn't played in the American Hockey League all all season long, and he joined Texas uh, for that playoff run. They ended up going to the Calder Cup finals that year, but they knocked the Wolves off, and I think double overtime with Jamie Benn getting the hat trick. And, and that team was so good. And there's been a lot of really good teams that just, to, you know, whatever has happened, you know, even the year Jake Allen was the – Baz Bastien Award winner is the top goalie in the American Hockey League. He probably gave up maybe one or two bad goals all season long. And then you get to the playoffs and they're in the, the division finals again, playing against the Toronto Marlies. And just for whatever reason, the puck was eluding Jake Allen. And he gave up, you know, quote unquote, a bad goal every game. And it's something that just never happened before. And, uh, that ruined another really good Wolves team. So, I think the the best thing about working for the Wolves is the support Don Levin and ownership has. I mean, they're just such great people to work for. Uh, and then secondly is, you know, the Wolves are going to have a competitive team every year. I mean, they're gonna, it doesn't always happen. It's hockey. Injuries can happen. You know, maybe your NHL partner has a rash of injuries. So some guys that are supposed to be here don't end up being here. Or a guy has an off year. But going into every season, you know, the Wolves – have spent some money. They've brought in some good players. They have good, you know, in my time, they've had numerous great coaches. And Ryan Wersowski, the, the newest head coach for the Wolves, seems to be uh, right up there with the, the great names that you've already had coaching here. So I, I think that's probably the best thing about the Wolves. You know it's going to be a, a pretty darn good team, and you're working with great people. Yeah, those are some great memories. And just going off that a little bit with, like, games against, like, Rockford, Milwaukee, like what have been some of your like, you know, what has been like some of your favorite rivalry moments between like the Wolves, Rock, Wolves, Ice Hogs, Wolves, Milwaukee, Wolves, Grand Rapids, and like all, all those games? Well, it, the Grand Rapids one just in the recent run, they faced off against each other so much in the playoffs where it gets dialed up a, a notch or two. So, I mean, and you go back to what you just talked about that 2019 playoff run where, you know, the prior two times that they faced off against Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids had actually knocked off the Wolves and then went on to win the Calder Cup, which is always a, a, <laughs> not good for the bragging rights if you're a Wolves fan and, and working for the Wolves. So it was so nice to see them win uh, that year. So that's certainly been a, a great rivalry, and those games uh, stand out. And, you know, lately, the outside of last year, the Wolves kind of had Milwaukee's number for the last few years where they've had the upper hand. Uh, but and there's so many great games, and they're so close, and that rivalry is 27 years strong. Well, 26 years strong because the Wolves and Milwaukee aren't playing against each other uh, this year. And I just think, like, Rockford and Milwaukee in particular, the Wolves play them so often during the regular season. But for whatever reason, those games are never a dud. You would think, like, oh, it's the same team over and over. But most of those games are super exciting. 
in the Rockford series, I, I was just doing notes for our, our next game here, which is crazy. So the Wolves and Rockford have now played 147 times in wow. 14 years. Wow. Rockford has won 73, 74 of the games. The Wolves have won 73. And if you add all the point totals up, the Wolves actually, have, because of overtime losses, have had two more points in 14 years against the Rockford Icehawks. Like, how is that even possible that you've played a team 147 times and the records are almost identical? It's crazy uh, how great that rivalry is. And even when Rockford's bad and the Wolves are really good, somehow those 12 games are, are great. And, you know, when, when Rockford's bad, they still somehow manage to beat to – the Wolves probably more often than they should when the Wolves have really good teams. So it, it's a great rivalry. Yeah, especially that rivalry in particular. Like you're, you don't know what to expect during those games. Like it's they're usually close. They're, yeah. Uh, like there's always had fights off the ice. There fight, fights off the ice. Fights fights everywhere. <laughs> I remember the last game of the season last year. There's uh, March eighth. Like yeah, Sparks and Tompkins almost went at it. Yeah, like. Uh, there was like a bunch of fights before that too, and just the uh, I I was at the game where Bennington fought Labrie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Rockford. <laughs> like they're the bench brawls between them. Like there's yeah. so much, you there's so much action going on whenever they play each other. And like last year, the Ice Hawks went up like five five zero, like to start off the year against them, and then the Wolves were coming back and won the last like three or four before. Yeah. So it just says how close and how good of a rivalry and intense rivalry that is. Yeah, Jack, taking your point there, the Rockford won the first five games last year. That was the first time any team had won five straight. And now, uh, as you mentioned, the Wolves had Rockford's number down the stretch last season. The Wolves have now won four in a row, two this year, the last two last year, and they've taken five of the last six. So just when you think one of the teams is getting a leg up, the other one returns and with vengeance. And now the Wolves are have a chance uh, when they get together next Tuesday in Rockford to win their fifth straight against the Ice Hogs, a, a streak that the Wolves haven't yet been able to, to accomplish against their in-state rivals. Yeah, and then the Milwaukee rivalry is also close, like, Mm -hmm. It also starts. It's starting to get more intense and more feisty as the season goes on, and then like it, there's it seems like it's always going into overtime those games and yeah, especially last year and two years ago. Like every single game I went to against them, it was like five four overtime game, or like we'll, the Wolves score with like a minute left in the game to tie the game up and then win in overtime. Like all those crazy times and then like Grand Rapids, like that game three of the Calder Cup finals and then like in the 2017 playoffs too with uh with like Scooter Vaughn fighting yeah two of their players at the same time and then like it's the, the those rivalries are the most fun to to be at yeah and that that I mean that's the beauty maybe you know fans don't want to see them as often but I also think that they're the best games that the Wolves play all season long from an entertainment standpoint because you as your point, you never know what is going to happen, Jack, when these two teams take the ice. And it doesn't matter what the records are, something's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just it's it's so much fun being, like, at those games and just – especially – or seeing them on TV as well. Like, you never know what you're going to expect. And I, I find myself yelling at the TV when I'm not at the games. Just <laughs> at, just that's how big the rivalry is. And it's it's just super fun to be a part of as a fan. 
Well, the, you know, both Milwaukee and Rockford are, are so close. So you, you get uh, more than a handful of fans for the other team in the building, which kind of creates almost a college atmosphere when, you know, at Allstate Arena, it's definitely, you know, at least 75% Wolves fans. But to, you get some nice numbers of Milwaukee people driving down and, and Rockford people coming over, which, uh, you know, there's a little smacks talk in the stands too. <laughs> yeah, the, the Allstate gets packed when against, against Rockford and Milwaukee and those teams. And it's, it's a super fun atmosphere to be at, that's for sure. Yeah, so going like before you hop, you were with the Wolves, you were with the Houston Arrows and the Iowa Wild or Iowa Stars at the time. Yep. So like, what was your experience with over there and just like starting out your broadcasting career over there at the with the Wild or with the Stars and the Arrows? Yeah, it, I mean it was pretty pretty excited to get to the American Hockey League. To be honest with you, I, I had spent two years prior to that in the ECHL with a a team called the Texas Wildcatters. They were an expansion team uh, in in Beaumont, Texas, which is basically 40 minutes from the Louisiana border. So they had never had hockey. They'd never had a hockey rink in that marketplace. So that was a ton of fun to just, you know, your first uh, professional job to, to go there and start up a franchise in an area where so many people were unfamiliar with hockey and, and just kind of seeing the excitement that they uh, – they got out of seeing hockey live for the first time. Unfortunately, the teams weren't very good. And then after two years there, uh, the AHL really started to expand and, and try to get, you know, an AHL team for every NHL team. Uh, at, at that time, the American Hockey League, there's a lot of shared affiliations. And the Iowa Stars were a startup team in Des Moines, Iowa. Again, similar. Des Moines hadn't had pro hockey there since the late 70s. So, it was a brand new arena, Wells Fargo Arena, uh, and they've had good success in the USHL with the long-standing Des Moines Buccaneers. Actually, Peter Menino, the ex-Wolves uh, goaltender, is now the head coach for the Des Moines Buccaneers. They still play there, but they play out of a, a real old arena that, uh, quite frankly, is quite outdated at this point. So it was just great to be in the American Hockey League, and that first year uh, with the Dallas Stars affiliate, they had about six Edmonton Oiler prospect, and it is amazing the amount of players uh, in my two years on the Iowa Stars that went on to have great NHL careers. Guys like Louis Erickson, Toby Peterson, Mark Fistrick, Nicholas Grossman, both goaltenders, Dan Ellis and Mike Smith, had, had good runs in the National Hockey League. So for me, coming from the ECHL, where the hockey was good and the players were hoping to get to the American Hockey League, and a few players end up making it all the way to the National Hockey League. It was just exciting to see these young 20-year-old guys that come in and some of, you know, there's a lot of Europeans that are experiencing North America for the first time and then going on to have great uh, NHL careers. And then unfortunately, after my first two years there, they had some management changes and an opportunity developed uh, with the Houston Arrows uh, for me to go down there. Uh, I grew up in Minnesota. The Minnesota Wild owned the team in Houston. So it was fun for me to, to go to Houston and, and work for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, they had a, a decent team. That was the year that the, the Wolves won the championship where Rockford and, and Chicago were truly the class of the division that year. But Houston was in the playoffs, and, and they were kind of a scrappy team. And it was nice to, to be back in Texas and, and, and working for the Wild. And I honestly you know, didn't really think I would ever get a 
would ever leave Houston. I had a great setup, but uh, when Pat Foley went back to the to the Blackhawks and the opportunity with the Wolves uh, arose and just having gotten to know Billy Gardner over the, the three years that I had been in the American Hockey League, he, you know, he kind of encouraged me to apply for the job. And I was like, well, I'm pretty happy here in Houston. I, I don't know that I'd want to stir the pot and, and try to go somewhere else. And then if it didn't work out, I'd feel really bad, you know, telling, you know, my bosses in Houston, hey, I'd like to apply for the Chicago Wolves job. Oh, by the way, I still want my job here in Houston. But, uh, you know, things worked out. And I'm grateful not only that uh, the Minnesota Wild in Houston, I was still under contract, uh, let me interview with the Wolves, and uh, even more grateful that I got the opportunity to, to work for the Chicago Wolves. I mean, it's, uh, it's a great place to work with, with some great people. Yeah, so how much does that Houston, Houston organization mean to you, especially since it's, it's not an organization anymore in the AHL? It's like, how much did, did it mean to you? And like, what, what was it like when you found out that they were – weren't an organization anymore yeah I mean it's it's kind of weird they moved to Des Moines where you know another place that I had been and you know unfortunately the first team in um, in Des Moines ended up failing and that was more due to ownership issues they you know American Hockey League independently owned teams have to pay an affiliation fee to their NHL parent clubs and unfortunately the ownership was uh, not paying their affiliation fees uh, with the Dallas Stars, so Dallas left, and then their new partner Anaheim quickly wasn't getting paid either. So the AHL unfortunately had to step in, and and that team ended up getting sold and, and moved. And it wasn't necessarily a glaring eye uh, on Des Moines; they, they were supporting the team fine, and they've certainly been uh, very supportive of the Iowa Wild. Now uh, they were actually, you know, attendance-wise and stuff, probably even more successful than than the Iowa Stars were. And then, so I felt bad that uh, Houston was leaving the team, but I was happy for Iowa to get the team. And again, nothing that really the the uh, the Houston Arrows could do. The, the Toyota Center is run by the Houston Rockets, and it just came to a point where the Houston Rockets were increasing the rent that they had to, to pay. And it just, it finally got to a point where the Minnesota Wild couldn't justify paying that much money to play out of the Toyota Center. Houston is a great southern hockey market. They supported the Arrows really well, and it's tough to see them uh, not in the schedule anymore. I, you know, I, Houston comes up quite a bit on potential you know, relocation or expansion talk, and I think Houston would be a great NHL city. It was a very good American Hockey League city, but you, you have to either have the Rockets involved in ownership or some sort of, you know, leniency on the, on the lease agreement to, to make it profitable there. Yeah, for sure. And like those, those games were also, also fun to watch. And like, they had some pretty cool jerseys as well. Like the, the green jerseys and the yeah. green, like silver, like those are, those are pretty sick. Yeah. Oh, and great rivalry. I mean, you think of the Wolves when they first came in the IHL, I mean, Houston, had a really good team. I mean, Houston and Chicago were, were great rivals, and it was fun to experience that rivalry on, for, on both sides. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, those are always the best the best times. So uh, going into your broadcasting career, like, a little bit here, like, what what are, like, the steps to take to become a broadcaster? Like, what do you have to take in school? Like, what made you become a broadcaster and stuff like that? Well, I'm actually a third-generation broadcaster, so my grandfather was the play-by-play broadcaster on radio for the Minnesota North Stars for all 26 years that the North Stars were in existence. So uh, when the team relocated to, to Dallas, my, my grandfather retired. Uh, my father, 
followed his dad's footsteps, and he is currently the play-by-play broadcaster for the University of Minnesota uh, Golden Gophers. Uh, back when the Wolves first came into existence, uh, Minnesota had an IHL team called the Minnesota Moose. They're now the Manitoba Moose. Uh, but when the Wild came back, uh, the Moose left Minnesota and went to Winnipeg. But So my dad was the broadcaster for them. He was a broadcaster, you know, depending on what TV station had the North Star rights, he did a lot several seasons of North Stars hockey. So that's kind of how I got into broadcasting and is the family business per se. So when I was uh, going to school, I played hockey at a division three school in Minnesota called Augsburg college and looking at a major and trying to figure out what I was going to do. I, I always remember the advice my grandfather gave me. He didn't say, Hey, you should become a hockey broadcaster, but he just said, I've never regretted a day in my life of going to work. It's a job that he absolutely loved. And my father absolutely loves calling hockey. So as I realized, you know, playing Division Three college hockey, I was not going to become a professional hockey player, but I wanted to stay involved in the game. So I, I would simply take a recorder. Uh, at the time when I first was going to school, the North Stars was still playing in Minnesota. So on off nights or a weeknight, I would go and call the North Stars Blackhawk game and do a recorder from the press box. I'd find a quiet little area and, and do that. And then my senior year is when the first uh, season for the Wolves and Minnesota Moose. So same thing, uh, when those IHL games would take place, and if I didn't have a conflict with school or something else, I would go to the arena and find a quiet area and, and call those games. And it's fortunate after I got done with school, I got hired by the Waterloo Blackhawks in the USHL and did a season there. Uh, ownership, unfortunately, was really struggling and couldn't pay their bills. So I actually got out of hockey for for a few years and uh, worked in the real world. And then minor league hockey was expanding. And that's how I ended up in the ECHL with the Texas Wildcatters. Uh, again, just getting back into it and kind of worked my way up uh, from there to, to get to Chicago, uh, you know, the best spot in the American Hockey League. Yeah, so like, would you say that your your grandfather and your dad were one of your most was inspirational for you, and just to get to follow their footsteps and becoming a broadcaster, and and just you you looked up to them the, your entire life. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone you know who follows sports, whether it be hockey, basketball, football, you know, baseball, they have their favorite broadcasters. Uh, mine just happened to be family members, which is I guess kind of unique. But when you're growing up in that environment, you don't know any different but you know I love listening to my grandfather when we were driving around the car or you know sitting at home and watching my dad call games on, on TV it was pretty cool and you know the benefits you know working for hockey teams they always had tickets to games so I got to see a lot of tickets or a lot of hockey and uh, you know it was a, I don't know if it's a, a great quality of life sometimes when you have to travel and be away from home so much and you know we're always playing the day after Christmas and throughout the Thanksgiving holidays and I'm not complaining about that that's normal but that's just some of the things that that you kind of miss out in life but I grew up in an environment where you missed out on those types of things so it's not a big deal uh, but yeah. they're you know very encouraging to me once you know no pressure to ever get involved in it but uh, it, you know I think they're they're both very proud that uh, you know I've followed in their footsteps yeah those are the those are the times where you just go to go to games whenever and just just yeah. live out those just watching hockey and like Going to going to school and then watch just coming back watching the game, recording recording for the for the broadcast and just not nothing better there. Yeah, I mean, we'll just probably complete your question there. Sorry, I kind of walked over it, but but for school wise, you know, I studied communications, and there really isn't a curriculum 
per se that will help you become a play-by-play -play broadcaster, but, you know, writing speeches and articulating speeches, social media is very important. You know, you're doing a podcast now, which is great practice, uh, you know, for moving into radio or TV or even play-by-play, -play. you know, those things weren't around when I was there, but anytime you can get hands-on play-by-play experience, that's, that's how you, you know, learn best. It's not a book you can read. There's, you know, I could tell you a million things about play-by-play -play that's not going to necessarily make you a good play-by-play -play broadcaster. It's it's repetition and, you know, a sport like hockey where it's so fast, the, the hardest thing is saying the right words at the right time when you're first starting out. But now it's super easy because the game takes care of itself. Like baseball's a really easy sport to call and not be very good at, but it's a very tough sport to be really good at as a play-by-play -play broadcaster because there's so much downtime and you have to fill that time. You know, with the Wolves, I call the play-by-play -play and then I shut up and let Billy uh, articulate and entertain the audience. So, uh, you know, I encourage all young broadcasters to, to, you know, turn the sound down on your TV or pull up YouTube videos of hockey games right now and just practice calling them into, into a microphone and listen to your work. and you know, don't worry about necessarily what I might say or anyone else might say about your broadcast, because at the end of the day, there's a, a bunch of different ways to call hockey in, in any sport. You've got to be comfortable with, with the style that works best for you. So listen to your work and, and self-critique and make the changes that you like. But the, the more you do, the better you'll get at play-by-play. Yeah, absolutely. And so you touched on this a little bit, but like, what, what's the most difficult part about being a broadcaster? And like, how do you go about just trying to say the right words whenever like a fast, quick play happens? Like, how do you like come up with words just right out, right, right from the start? I mean, now it's, it's just second nature. And I find at times too, like I, I watch, I still to this day watch almost every Wolves game back to, and I, have a little journal that I'll write some things down just to notice trends. And there's times where you think you had a really good broadcast, then you go and watch it and you're like, Oh my goodness, I was stepping all over Philly or I mispronounced this name or I wasn't as good as I thought. And then there are games that you think you actually sounded terrible and you go back and watch it and you're like, Oh, that wasn't so bad. But so you, you try to work in a variety of words and you know, this year has been a, a real challenge just not having to see seen these players. So I feel like, uh, you know, there's room for improvement. But now that we've done three games, uh, they should be all uh, much better moving forward. But the biggest challenge, I think, is when you get like three guys called up from the ECHL that you've never seen before and you're playing that team that day. That's the American Hockey League. So that can be tough. Um, you know, we one of the benefits of playing Milwaukee and Grand Rapids and Rockford so many times is there's not a lot of studying you need to do after you've seen those teams two or three times a, a season. And, you know, once you see the Wolves three times, you know, you pretty much have all those names down. So the, 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 the first few games of the year always create a little bit of anxiety just because you haven't done it for six months and there's some new names and numbers and pronunciations that you don't want to screw up. Yeah. And that's, that that seems like it'd be difficult to just just find the words like but like as you said like it, once you do it like it comes easy and like it comes second nature like like everything in life like you do stuff a lot like play hockey like you, like what what you do on the ice is second nature at that point yeah. so it's just it's fun it's, it's cool to see like how that like develops from like the start and then like how how you are like now and it's just it's second nature to you yeah i mean you know it's like anyone who's 
you know, fairly good at their job or been doing their job for a long time. You know, if you're a painter or a plumber or an electrician, like, I, you know, I could do a, a, a couple things, but it would take me forever to do those things. And uh, I might screw it up. But the more, you know, you do those type of trade work, the, you know, those guys come in and they rewire your whole house and in an afternoon, you're like, how did you do that? That would have taken me three weeks. So, you know, the, my job is to you know, know guys' names right away and be able to put a couple words to what they're doing on the ice. And, you know, the more times I've done it, the, the, the easier that gets. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jason, I have a few more questions for you. Okay. So, uh, do you have any tips for up-and-coming broadcasters? I, I mean, I, we've kind of talked about it, Jack, but to just get repetitions, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, once uh, fans are allowed back at Allstate Arena, you know, if, come on a Wednesday night and sit in the upper deck and call games. You know, there's plenty of hockey now on TV between the NHL network, the Wolves, the Blackhawks, YouTube videos. Again, uh, just call them off the TV if, if you have to, to get that experience. Uh, you know, there's college hockey. Uh, you know, there's a lot, several division three schools here in the Chicago land that are calling games. Uh, there's a vibrant AAA programs that all put games on TV high school hockey so you know reach out to some of those teams that maybe aren't getting the coverage uh, that they would like you know do the things that you're doing anyone can create a podcast right now and you know it's pretty easy through social media to reach out to athletes to ask them to be on your your podcast anything you can do to get repetitions and you know listen to your work and and you know reach out and ask people for advice but also know that at the end of the day, it's your play-by-play career, so you have to be happy with what you say. I mean, I could tell you that, oh, I don't like this, but if you, that's what you like to do, that's what you need to do. I, I often use the analogy of, of Joe Buck, who you know is the top broadcaster on Fox, does the World Series, does a lot of Super Bowls, and for whatever reason, he takes a beating sometimes. Some people just don't like the way, way he calls a game. But at the end of the day, he's one of the best broadcasters in the entire world and the fact that he has people critiquing his work is, you know, kind of ridiculous, right? <laughs> the yeah. guy's doing Super Bowls and World Series. So not everyone's going to like your style of play-by-play, but as long as you like your style of play-by-play and your employer likes your style of play-by-play, that, that's really all that matters. Yeah, that's a, that's a great tip there. So talking about podcasts, you also have been part of a, uh, part of a podcast called Life Under the Pandemic for yeah. the, the Sky Wolves podcast. So like, what was the ori- the origins of that? And like, what started? And like, how much fun do you have creating 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 the podcast? It's it's been a ton of fun. It started because the wool season got canceled, and we weren't quite sure of what was going to happen. And you know, we've been very fortunate. All of us with the wolves have continued to be paid the entire time. Don Levin did not lay off a single employee, uh, and we're grateful for that. So you know, part of that is you want to earn your paycheck and try to create some content for the fans, uh, you know, with the help of Courtney Mahoney. And then, you know, the, the other uh, vice president to, for the Wolves, John Seda, you know, they kind of uh, allowed us to peel back the, the curtain a little bit. And this is what the franchise is going through, going through a pandemic. Like, how are they communicating with the fans? What are the challenges of not knowing if that last season was going to start back up? You know, I mean, the Wolves were going to ha- host a three and three that weekend. And that was the first time in several years that the Wolves were going to have three home games in three days. And, you know, we've got some great ticket sales 
people, uh, Stephanie Evans, had two huge groups coming out uh, to those weekends. I mean, there were going to be near capacity crowds on that Saturday and Sunday, and all of a sudden that just evaporates. So that's how the podcast came came to be. Uh, I had done some interviews and put some stuff together. And the funny thing is, Jack, and you can appreciate this as a, as a podcaster, I mean, I'm a play-by-play guy, so I'm used to getting amped up. I'm not used to just talking to myself in a microphone with no one there or no action. So if you listen to the first two podcasts, I, I mean, I am either really mundane or way over the top. So for me, it, it was good to learn some new skill sets. And Emron, Emron Javed, who we, I've worked with in my entire time, he's actually been with the Wolves since 2003, longtime employee. He actually has a couple of his own podcasts that he's done. So. He, you know, we've teamed up together, and he has made the transitioning into podcasting much easier for me. He's the, the co-host, but he's the one that does, you know, a lot of the work uh, setting me up uh, and kind of calming me down to have more of a natural voice on a podcast. But, the, you know, to your point, trying to learn the play-by-play skills, well, I'm trying to learn how to podcast and sound like a normal human being. So, it, But it's been a ton of fun and uh, really uh appreciate quarantine Mahoney uh, helping get this launched and you know this year it'll be a good way to kind of introduce some of the the Wolves players that fans won't get to meet in person this year at season ticket holder events or you know get fed by the Wolves and some of the other great charity events where you normally typically have access to these players yeah and that that's just awesome with like what you guys did with the podcast and everything to come up with it and just give give some light on what everyone's going through and especially like during these times like we anyone could use the happiness and Mm -hmm. like their get their minds off what's going on in the world and just sit down like listen to a podcast like when you're driving when you're just alone like anywhere you you literally could listen to podcasts anywhere so it's definitely good to have good uh that you guys create and like i i personally enjoy them and i listen to everyone it's just so much fun listening to you guys and just just talking about like what what's going on through everything around the pandemic yeah no i appreciate you listening and yeah it it has been a lot of fun and you know again the the wolves are a good organization for kind of letting people hear some of the challenges that they have faced you know even going back to like the tim breslin award or the dan snyder award that those didn't get to get handed out this year and how meaningful those are and you know uh, Denise, who uh, had, has a son that has had just a bunch of medical issues and Oscar Dance has stepped up. So just getting to share that story a little bit about some of the challenges that uh, people are facing in the Chicagoland community. And when the Wolves season got canceled, those people didn't get to get recognized, you know, along with the Dan Snyder uh, Award. Uh, so, you know, that's disappointing, but it was at least having the podcast as a way to, to showcase some of the the stuff that our fans are going through too not only the organization yeah and you you've also had guests on you have you've had scooter vaughn on so like how how fun is it just interviewing like all these former wolves players and just see how they're doing with uh with life right now yeah no it's it's really good and you know scooter was such a, a fan favorite here in chicago and a guy that has his hand in just a million different things. He's an entrepreneur at, at heart and he's doing some great things. And I think uh, actually he reached out to Emron not too long ago. I believe he is going to be launching his own podcast, uh, uh, talking with other African-American hockey players uh, in trying to bring some light to some of the great players. But Scooter, you know, he's definitely the most 
interesting person that I've met in hockey off the ice, just the wide variety of, of subjects that he can talk about, articulate about, and, and has just so many different interests. You know, here's a guy that plays the guitar. He's maybe getting into podcasting. He's launched several different companies uh, in his time. Uh, you know, he, he's designed t-shirts and some, some fashion stuff too. So it was great catching up to him. And I think, you know, moving maybe next into the, in the next off season, we'll probably do some more of those uh, look back at, at some players, you know, and you mentioned the podcast that, you know, talking with Ben Simon, who's now the head coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins, but just hearing some of his stories of playing with Dan Snyder, it's, it's fun to, to go back. And that's something that, you know, when the season's over, we'll probably do a little bit more of the, some of the more popular players interview them for the podcast. Yeah, that's, that's just fantastic. And it's bringing everyone joy. So so just keep keep doing it, keep it up, and just throughout like all this time, just it's it's fun catching up on podcasts and just listening to everything that the organization's gone through, and like just like the guests that you guys are having on too. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of podcasts, much like yourself. I mean, every time I'm driving out to Hoffman Estates for a Wolves practice or game, I'm listening to podcasts. I don't listen to the radio really at all anymore. I just find podcasts, the storytelling. And some, there's so many different podcasts out there. I really enjoy it. And, you know, this year I'll be driving separately to all these away games so that, uh, you know, if I do come across COVID, I'm not transmitting to any of the players. So just out of protocol. So, I mean, these drives to Rockford, Grand Rapids this year, I look forward to listening to your podcast and many others. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that. That's, that's awesome. So, Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. I want to wish you the best of luck going forward with this with the season, and this was this was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. And yeah, there's a. a it's very disappointing that uh, fans won't be in attendance to see the Wolves team, but hopefully you can tune in, you know, on the Wolves Facebook stream or or watch it on AHL TV because it's going to be an exciting team to watch this year. Absolutely, I'm I'm definitely ready for that. Yep. <laughs>